0: Today begins our series on the marks of a healthy church and uh, where it springs from is the nine marks of a healthy church by um, Mark Dever and the the nine marks uh, network and uh, if you haven't picked up that book I, I highly recommend that to you and it is based upon those nine marks now we only have four Sundays, so we're only going through four. Okay. And um, hopefully it's the right four. <laughs> okay. But uh, we're going to go through leadership. Okay, we're going to go through leadership. And that is one of the marks in, in that book. Um, as you can see, we'll be going through Acts chapter 20, verses 28 to 32, And in this section, I'm hoping that we pick up some of these priorities that Paul is going to charge the Ephesian elders. And as he does that, we can pick up some of these elements. First, for those that are aspiring to be elders within this congregation or that are currently our elders. And secondly, for the congregation itself, for you guys to be aware of what it takes to be a leader, an elder within God's church. So that you can continue to uh, challenge us toward those qualities. That you would pray for us toward those things. And that together, we may, uh, as as the series is, uh, actually end up being a healthy church. Okay? So... I'm going to read our section for us, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it, okay? All right, let's, let's read God's word here. It's Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 28 to verse 32. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this morning's message. Lord, we thank, we thank you. We thank you for the gospel that was proclaimed this morning through song and through prayer. We thank you now for the time in your word We pray that you would teach us through it, that we may change. And indeed, that you would help us understand what it means to be an elder, a leader in your church. So that we may, as we understand those things, apply what you have called these elders to be and do. And ultimately, that we would be a church that would magnify and glorify your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have four points this morning in, in our outline, as you can see there. <clears throat> that as Paul talks to the Ephesian elders, he's going to give them four points. They first need to pay attention to themselves. They need to pay attention to the flock. They need to protect the flock. And lastly... Paul places them, commends them into God's care, into his word. I want to set the context a little bit here as we begin our time. It is the last time that Paul will ever see these uh, elders. And these elders, this church is very dear to him. As it's pointed out, for three years uh, he was with them. Okay. and he has a very special place in his heart. In fact, in his letter, he'll address that he thanks them in his remembrance of them, right? And so these are people, this is a church, and these are leaders that are very dear to him. And Paul is in the process of returning to Jerusalem. And he's been sidetracked a number of times. And so he is anxious to get back there before, Passover, before Pentecost. And um, because he's in a rush, although he's in that vicinity, he's not going to actually make it out to the city of Ephesus. He stops at a city called Miletus, which is about uh, 20, 30 miles away. And um, he doesn't want to make that additional trek. Uh, There on his way back to Jerusalem. So he calls for the elders, for the leaders, for the shepherds. And all of those terms are, are, by the way, used interchangeably. Seems to be referring to the same men. Different functions, okay? But it is to the leaders that he calls them to himself. And um, this is his last time with them. And, and uh, you know, at the end of this, this charge, there's a very sad farewell where they're just crying because this indeed will be the last time that they'll be together. And so with that in mind, Paul uh, addresses them with this final charge. Okay. And if if, you know, if if you want to kind of liken it to a modern day example, you could think of Tom Brady. His last huddle with his last group of players. I don't know, did did that connect with you at all? Yeah, maybe twenty five percent of you. Okay. But it is the goat. It is the Apostle Paul, okay? It is the man of God that is proclaiming the gospel throughout all Asia, Asia Minor. And in, on his way back to Jerusalem, he makes his final address to the Ephesian elders. And so you see, well, first of all, you see that the elders respond, okay? It's like, man, who are you, Paul? I mean, well, why, why do why we need to make time for you? But they make the time, okay? They make that trek, okay, because they're anxious. They're anxious to see him again and to hear from him. And um, at, at the very first part of it, as he talks about it, he just recounts his ministry to them. And at the very end of 27, he says this, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. You see, he had an extended period with them, and he was able to share God's word with them. So again, this is a very intimate and close encounter. And so for us today, this morning, we get to kind of be the fly in the wall. Actually, no, we're not fly in the wall. We get the actual word of God directly to our face, okay? And we get to partake in this exchange, between these dear brothers, with Paul giving him giving them these final reminders. So our first point, as you see here, is that they need to pay attention to themselves. Okay. <clears throat> There's two parts to that, okay? I'll be doing that off and on. First is that they need to pay attention to themselves pay careful attention to yourselves they are to keep a close watch their priority as a pastor is to make sure that their life is in order before they can attend to others The position of leadership comes with inherent dangers okay, and um, problems. And as such, Paul reminds them the first order of business for any leader, for any elder in the church is to pay attention first to themselves. In James chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. There's a, an increased judgment for those that are in leadership positions. And as such, we need to make sure that we are not living a life of hypocrisy. Okay, So, We're not just newscasters up here. We're not people just disseminating information. If you desire, if you are a leader of the church, you actually have to believe and live the things that you teach. I'm not just giving you information here. I also need to live it and model it there's an element where we need to be examples to the flock not just in word you know a lot of us can speak well I'm not one of those people I don't speak very well alright the important part is to actually live it and may, may I suggest this morning it's not actually in the text but two areas okay um that leaders need to pay attention to themselves in regards to okay and the first you see there is humility okay first that you see there is humility turn to philippians chapter chapter 2 it says this do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves even death on a cross. If a man is going to serve the church, if a man is going to be placed in a position of leadership, one of the first and key things that he has to learn is humility. It is the very mind of Jesus Christ himself. It is the example of Christ himself. It's not just within the church, but in almost any position of leadership, there's a natural inherent element to boost the ego. And as such, one of the first things and the key things a leader has to learn is to be humble. And we're not talking about this false kind of meekness, okay? Humility is a mindset, as we see here in Philippians chapter 2. It's a mindset to consider others more important than yourself. And so one of the key things in paying attention to ourselves is we need to learn humility. We need to learn humility. A shepherd has to be a self-confronting man where he looks in the mirror and says, am I looking out the interests of God and his people rather than myself? If you go to a church and the leaders are all about themselves, okay, including this one, okay, that's not the right church to be. Leaders need to learn from Jesus himself. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. From what? Gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. If we're going to give rest for our people through Jesus Christ, we have to emulate him. We have to imitate him in this arena. Men, if you are a leader this morning, if you aspire to be one, one of the key things we all have to learn is Is humility. The second thing, okay, is holiness. Okay, is holiness. First Peter, turn there. Chapter 2, verse 14 to 17, okay. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but he who called you is holy, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call him on on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. Another key element in paying attention to yourself as a leader in the church or as an elder is to pay attention to yourself in regards to holiness. Again, we can't be hypocrites. We can't be saying one thing and living another. I want to read from you uh, from Richard Baxter's The Reformed Pastor. And in it, he comments on this idea He says this Take heed to yourselves, lest you live in those sins which you preach against in others, unless you be guilty of that which daily you condemn. Will you make it your work to magnify God, and when you have done, dishonor him as much as others? Will you proclaim Christ's governing power and yet condemn it and rebel yourself? He goes on, it's a a rather long and lengthy diatribe against such things, okay? But it's nevertheless true. Brothers, if, if you are an elder this morning, you know... We need to constantly go before the Lord in humility and repent and confess our sins. We're not perfect. We will sin. And in those moments of sin, you cannot let sin callous your conscience and your soul. We have to be sensitive to sin. And kill it, mortify it in the flesh. The honor and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ is at stake. Okay. Can't tell you enough um, how many times we hear of men just falling to immorality. But not just immorality to sin of pride of anger, of bullying. All of these elements <clears throat> can be seen in men in positions of leadership. And, and the church is no exception. And as such, we need to be men willing to humble ourselves and to live and consecrate ourselves to our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'll to say we're not talking heads. Okay? We are men that need to follow the Lord with our heart, mind, and soul. With everything that we have. And as we do, that we can be examples. And the flock will follow. All right, secondly. You see there? <clears throat> that we are paying attention to the flock. Okay, we are to pay attention to all the flock. And there's three sub-points to this, okay? First is that we are to pay attention to all the flock. So first things first, the leader pay attention to himself, and secondly, to all the flock. It is important that as leaders we are... Looking out for the welfare of the entirety of the congregation. There should not be a sense where where we get to a certain size and we'll go, well, you know, they're just doing their own thing, just let them do their own thing. Okay. Uh, the heart of a shepherd, the heart of an elder, the heart of a leader is that there is uh, an intense and purposeful care for all the sheep. Um, we don't just take care of the sheep that are nice to us and good to us, okay? Although there, you know, some are more nice. <laughs> it's just a fact. We're just human, right? Okay. Some are more mean, more abrasive. Some stink more than others but we're supposed to stink as well, right? When we're with the sheep, you get the same funk. And that's the point, is that a shepherd, an elder, is with his flock and all of his flock. And as he does that, he gets a sense of who they are. Okay? So, it, it, you know, if, if you desire to be an elder, if you desire to be a, a shepherd, uh, this morning uh, I mean I don't know where this idea comes from but you know don't think that you'd be just preaching and then you know you study and then you're up in your white tower castle that's your duty for the week your day okay true shepherd goes to all of the flock right. secondly I have to go a little bit faster here <clears throat> is that there's a divine origin to the overseer. Okay, There's a divine uh, origin to the overseer. As uh, the, the um, shepherd cares and pays attention to his flock, I, I think one of the key th- elements that he has to understand is that um, he has been put in that position, as, as well as the rest of the congregation has to understand, He has been put in that position by divine origin. That it is God himself that has placed him in that position. And as such, the implication is that you understand the gravity and the importance of that calling. So for all of us here... When God places a man in that position, it is a position that God has done, hopefully. And that as he understands that, the weight of that comes in line with the action. That as his desire to minister to all of the flock, it comes from a sense, this is not just my job. This is a calling from God himself. It is the Holy Spirit that has placed the overseers within his congregation to care for and will see to protect his flock, whether it be from their own internal sins or from those elements without which we'll talk about. Okay. All right. So it's a divine origin. Thirdly, okay, as he pays attention to the flock, he has to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. That word care there, you can also translate shepherd. And again, the elder, the, the shepherd, the leader has to shepherd and care for the, the flock of God because of the precious nature of this flock. You see that last phrase there? Which she obtained with his own blood. This is refer- reference to Jesus' shedding of blood. The shepherd must understand that God's son has paid the price He has paid the price to purchase His own church by dying for them on the cross. The Father has redeemed us, each and every one of us, through the great work of His Son, the death of His Son. We were redeemed from the penalty of sin, from death and hell, and given eternal life. That is the most precious thing in this entire universe and as the elder as shepherd realizes this we have to realize this is God's children right as an elder as a shepherd you are placed in a privileged position to care for God's children for God's flock It wasn't a cheap price, was it? It cost God everything. It cost his own son. And so as the shepherd realizes this, there's a precious nature to the people of God. It's a weighty thought, isn't it? It's a weighty thought. Each and every one that has placed their faith in Jesus Christ and is a par- has, has com- committed to be a part of this flock is a precious child of God that has been purchased by the death of Jesus Christ. As a shepherd realizes this, that ought to be a great motivator. A great motivator toward humility and, hu- and holiness, and as he does that, there's a precious nature to the flock of God. you know, uh, being in this position, you see everything, okay? And I don't know, I've I've shared this before, but I'm a third-generation pastor. And so I've been churched, I've been in the church uh, now for, what, three generations, okay? Uh, My grandfather was a pastor, my dad is a pastor, he's a missionary, and uh, I am a pastor, okay? So, um, you know, you see the good and the bad of being in that subculture of being a part of a church. And one of the things that I've seen is church splits, unfortunately. Okay? And uh, I saw my dad um, you know, in the middle of one, and he was trying to be the peacemaker. Right? There's two factions, and, and uh, you know, my, uh, my dad is a gentle man. And uh, everyone, I guess, generally likes him, including myself. Okay? And, and as such, he was placed in a position to kind of uh, arbitrate that. Uh, but guess what happened? They, they, turned, to t- they turned on him. Okay? And uh, he was deeply hurt through that process. Okay? So I've seen that. I've seen just how wicked and, and hurtful and hateful how people can be. Okay, and no different at this church, but but we haven't gone through a split. Okay, um, but you know we're all sinners. Okay, and um, you know you 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 can see more as one of the leaders, right, in terms of the, the sinfulness of the the congregation. But you know that that comes with it and if again if you aspire to be in this position that's something that you have to be you have to understand okay and you can't ever let uh sin and hurt and hate ever come in the way of your love for the flock okay if you want to be a leader you just have to understand that that's part of it and that you know um the flock is precious and uh, it is because God is the one that has purchased each and every one of us, okay? And as you remind yourself of that, that is what motivates you. That is what keeps you going through the, the, the conflicts, through the hurt, okay? That uh, at the end of the day, we are all God's children, okay? And that is a very privileged position, okay? And a very precious one at that. And so, as, as leaders, we need to remind ourselves of that constantly. Okay? And that is what will continue to make us drive forward in uh, the next point here. Protecting the church. Okay, protecting church. Look at verse 29. Paul understands this concept of protecting because throughout his years in ministering to these churches in Asia Minor, especially Ephesus, he understood that there were dangers that were coming about. And he did it, and he was innocent. He talks about right before in verse 27 his hands are clean. In that he gave the whole council of god and he protected them uh, in the midst of false teachers that were coming from without and also from within and that's what he's pointing to here for these elders okay it's going to be no different when i'm gone you understand that same thing's going to happen and it hasn't changed in two thousand years We are God's children, right? And as such, Satan's after his children. And he's going to use every means to destroy God's people. He's going to use false teachers from without and from within. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. Not sparing the flock. The wolf is used in scripture metaphorically to describe false teachers. These teachers are trying to destroy the people of God. They are trying to destroy the true teaching of Christ and his word. As you see, um, there is—they're uh, they, not sparing the flock. There's an unmerciful element uh, to these false teachers, okay? When we hear of mysticism, these cults, the false teachings that are uh, pervasive in our greater culture today— okay. These are the teachings that want to lure the people of God away from the teachings of Christ and God's word. And as elders and as shepherds, we need to protect them from these things. Okay. We have a resident scholar, by the way, that does that. A good portion of that. His name is Gary Takahashi. Okay? And You know, you guys need to appreciate him and his ministry. You know, if you guys don't know the dynamic within the elder board, it is often the rest of the elders coming to Gary in regards to these issues. These many of these issues that he Uh, laboriously keeps up on. Okay, I, I really don't like all this kind of stuff. I don't like reading about it. But he does. I don't know if he likes it, but he does it. There will be false teachers that are from within as well. From among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. It's not just that there are false teachers from without. There are false teachers. There are men speaking twisted, perverted things okay, um, that are drawing away the disciples after them. just this past week we were talking about um, those that from the evangelical church okay that are now subscribing to the legitimacy of a homosexual lifestyle okay and you you never think that that, that they would come but it's it's in the guise of love okay and being kind and sacrificing the truth. It is not just those that are within, outside the church, but it is people proclaiming to be the people of God themselves and teaching these things to the rest of the people of God. You wouldn't believe it, but such things are happening now okay. um, there's, there's a longer article that one of the, in the congregation sent to the, the pastors it's a, 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 an article from the Atlantic and uh, it's entitled the evangelical churches breaking apart it's a rather long article but within this article it, it, it outlines some of the elements that this writer believes is fracturing the evangelical church, okay? And, uh, you know, some of it is this politicizing of the church, okay? That, um, you know, uh, if you're not anti-woke enough, then there's something wrong, okay? So there's, of course, two elements to that. Uh, Churches that need to be more woke, okay? Or there's churches that um, are not against wokeism enough. And uh, uh, as a result, uh, it is fracturing some of the, the bigger churches, the McLean Bible Church, uh, Bethlehem Baptist. These are two churches that are named in this article. okay. And uh, all to say that, uh, again, Satan uses whatever he can, whatever issues of the day, You know, transsexuals, uh, homosexuality, politicizing, uh, you know, being conservative or liberal. All of those elements, all of those, you know, watchwords that are being thrown out in our culture today are used as uh, uh, things of division. And so one of the key tasks that the elders have is to address these things. And what? make sure that we're centering on the things that are actually important. And that's what Paul does here at the very end of this section. He commends them to God and to his word. That's what drives the people of God. And that's that's what we're going to be talking about at the very end, but you see there we're to protect from those that are outside from inside and then, with vigilance, okay. I wanted to turn you guys to Second Peter chapter two, verses one through three. In there, uh, Peter outlines uh, this warning against false teachers. and I'm just going to read it for us. they will secretly bring in these heresies, these destructive heresies. Look at the example of Paul at the end of these verses. He says this in verse 31. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Men, If you're going to be in this position, it is a a task that calls for vigilance, for always watching out for the flock. And for 2,000 years, that's what God has done. He has called men to this position to protect the flock from heresies from without and from within. There are so many issues today, okay? One of the more prominent ones is the Word of Faith movement. Okay, the Word of Faith movement. And it's and it's done a, a great job of destroying parts of the church. It's led many astray. So quickly, I want to just outline, this is from the Gospel Coalition, five elements of the false gospel of the prosperity gospel. Okay. Number one, the Abrahamic covenant is a means to material entitlement. Number two. Jesus' atonement extends to the sin of material poverty. Number three, Christians give in order to gain material compensation from God. Faith, number four, faith is a self-generated spiritual force that leads to prosperity. And number five, prayer is a tool to force God to grant prosperity. All of these elements are alive and well in some churches today. Unfortunately, okay, and it is these elements that God has placed elders to protect the church of God from. And so, um, you know, again, with all diligence, with all um, vigilance, you see just the, the desperation there you see there with um, Paul. He says, Night and day I admonish everyone with tears. And so again, if, if you are aspiring to this position, that's one of the elements that we have to understand that there needs to be a watchfulness in regards to uh, false doctrine. All right, lastly. Okay, lastly. He commends where he places the people of God Uh, To God and to the word of his grace and now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace Which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified There are three elements to this He understands that lastly, you know as much as he can charge them with uh, Having them protect the flock to care for the flock to shepherd the flock At the end of the day the most powerful and needed thing that he can do is to place them in the care of God himself. In the care, especially, of his word. You see the close connection he, he, he puts here between God and his word? Okay? And that's why he ministered it night and day for three years with tears. So he, he, at the end of the day, The elder, the leader, has to be able to entrust himself to God and his word. You know, as much uh, abilities and skill and giftedness a leader may think he may have, at the end of the day, it's all about God. It's all about God and his word. his word god is able to build up reminds me of uh, the first uh, corinthians chapter 3 passage right paul apollos but what god grows god causes the growth he at the His word is the one that edifies. His word is the one that causes Christians to grow in their understanding, service, and love of his people. So it is to him and to his word that we must all commit ourselves. Okay. Secondly. It gives you an inheritance. It gives you an eternal inheritance. In in uh, Ephesians chapter one, um, he talks about that he has blessed us in the heavenly places with all of these things, and uh, one of these things, of course, is eternal life. And again, one of the key elements to God and and His Word is that it. Gives life. It gives eternal life. And all the, the inheritance with it. And that's rewards. Okay? So not only does He give us the ability to know God and, and, and enjoy Him for the rest of our lives, but we're able to enjoy the spiritual blessings of being in God. And that means that we're able to live for Him, to serve Him, And to love him all of our living days. And lastly, it sanctifies, okay? Among all those who are sanctified, all those that are continuing to be built up and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, the work of sanctification ultimately comes from god and his word and so again leaders elders congregation okay we all have to commit ourselves to the care of god himself and to his word it is through these elements that we are able to be built up and to be transformed into the image of his son jesus christ This morning, uh, you've heard many things about what it means to be a leader in the church. One of the things that I'm praying for is that this is the prayer of the leaders currently. And for those that are aspiring to it, that this will be your prayer. And for the congregation, that this will be your prayer for the elders, right? That it is a position I love, I love to be in this position. I really do believe that God has called me and each of our elders here to this position. And we do it because we love God's people, right? And uh, we pray that um, as you understand what it is uh, that a leader needs to be doing, that you would pray for us, right? Because it's not easy sometimes. Like I said, it's, uh, we're all sinners, right? And uh, at any given moment in the life of our church, sheep don't want to be shepherded. They don't want anything to do with other sheep or the shepherd. <laughs> they just want to do their own thing, all right? I say that because I've been there. <gasps> Gasp. We've all been there is my point, right? Okay, at one point we just want to do our own thing. Isn't that true? Okay, Because we're sinful. We still have to deal with the sin that's in our own hearts. And one of the key things that it does, it, it points to ourselves and to this world and away from the things of God and His people and His shepherds. But my prayer is that as we understand the dynamic that needs to take place in order for us to be a healthy church, that that would be a prayer, right? That you would pray that God would move us um, in the direction that, that would be most honoring and glorifying.